Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. We're, we're officially a hockey blog now, right? Nothing happened basketball this week, so we're definitely a hockey blog. Steve, Zips of Akron. Clearly, certainly nothing to talk about anymore. And you street. Hey, y'all. So yeah, nothing to talk about other than Richard Pitino. Uh, what was the what was the terminology that Mark Coyle, AD Mark Coyle, used? Parting of the ways. I believe it was conscious uncoupling. Uh, so unless you've been under a rock, you're aware that the University of Minnesota um, allowed Richard Pitino to graciously exit, which he did because Richard Pitino has actually been nothing but honestly a real good. Uh, good coach in terms of interactions with the media and the fan base the entire time he was at the University of Minnesota. Uh, But he exited and within 24 hours was hired by New Mexico. Uh, The University of New Mexico Lobos have made Richard Pitino their new head coach, which means uh, many things. It means we're in a coaching search for Minnesota. It means, uh, I don't remember the exact buyout provisions, but basically we don't have to pay a buyout to Richard Pitino. Um, Although I'm sure there could be some haggling behind the scenes with some lawyers on if there's a small buyout required. Uh, And at this point, uh, it's a potential new day for the Gopher basketball program. I guess I'll start since, you know, Patino was actually a, a, a coach that, you know, one could like personally, even if you had issues with some of what he did as a coach. What was your favorite memory of Patino at Minnesota? And I'm going to start with Steve. Oh boy, favorite memory. Um, as I'm thinking through, I don't know if I have a bunch of like specific memories. Um, he, I do. I think I'll always remember that he was the coach that, in his first year, won the NIT uh, because that seemed to set up a. I don't know. Set up a. Uh, foreseeable future of success or portended success maybe you're like oh we'll start here with an NIT championship um so maybe it starts and ends there which is kind of sad thinking that an eight-year career is um you know the the best memory is an NIT championship but don't have a lot to hang your hat on around here Andy best memory of Patino um I I she's I don't really know, man. I mean, he, he's always been a, a good listen when he's been interviewed on the radio and things like that. I mean, his sarcasm is top-notch. He's he's just a funny guy. I guess I don't necessarily have a single best moment. I mean, there's been there's been some fun games and, and big wins, but I can't necessarily say, like, I can pinpoint them directly back to Patino or anything like that. So I, I guess I don't have... All right, I'm sense I'm sensing a theme here. Let's see if Street keeps with the mold. What what would your favorite memory of Patino be, Street? Well, not to step on your favorite memory, but it's probably roasting you in a post game interview context. Uh, on the on the yes. court, I have much fondness for the kind of anger strip tease that would go on in the second half as jackets and then ties would be thrown that I always kind of enjoyed on some level there aren't too many like favorite patino moments in the sense of 
the favorite moments that I have during Patino's tenure involve them winning games of various import and less about him specifically, which I think is true for kind of most coaches. If I take you know, PJ, for example, you know, my favorite PJ Fleck moments just so happen to all correspond with the time the Minnesota football team did something really good. So in that in that sense, I don't have a lot of, of kind of personal moments. I think it, as Andy mentioned, it was obviously a very good interview. It's very funny. Uh, I think that his kind of refusing to accept certain kinds of cliches was always refreshing, though he accepted plenty of other ones. And as Steve said, certainly coming out of the gate, I think we would have hoped that in year eight, uh, our best memory was not a unfortunate Akeem Springs injury bow out in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my memory is the one that, that Street mentioned. He sassed me real, real good at Ohio State. Um, and uh, the the Ohio State beat writers got a lot of got a lot of mileage and had some fun with that. So I was happy to oblige. Um, yeah, much like everybody else, it's winning. It's even hard to remember the wins you liked as much just because, honestly, they didn't happen as frequently as you'd like. So in any case, Richard Patino, you were a enjoyable coach. Good luck to you at New Mexico as long as you don't play Minnesota. Um, you know, go fuck up Wisconsin or something. Uh, I don't want to talk about replacements because we honestly, I mean, you need to be reading the blog. Gopher Nation has done a wonderful job of breaking down potential replacements with Minnesota ties, with no Minnesota ties, generalized thoughts about what we should be looking for in a new head coach. Uh, I think he's done it as well as any of us could. And frankly, there's a lot of other stuff to talk about. So rather than pontificate wildly about potential replacements, I want to talk about actual news, which is... Um, Mashburn putting his name in for the transfer transfer portal. Um, you know, at this point, we don't know for sure if that's going to happen or not. Uh, but you know, potentially Minnesota doesn't have a a scholarship point guard right now, and that's a thing. Uh, you know, I guess I'm kind of thinking uh, one interested in what Street and uh, Steve have to think about this. Is this the the last we'll see of the portal? affecting Minnesota during this coaching transition or uh, do you think uh, it's going to be kind of a free-for-all? So I think it's with any coaching change you're bound to see turnover. Now whether that's players following the outgoing coach to his new program, the new coach bringing in players to his program. We saw a lot of that when Patino came in from Florida International. There was a couple guys that that came in um, that took some spots but it's just you know turnover in general because some guys were here for his style of play some people were here because they're local kids so it's hard to say player by player what's going to happen I mean for Mashburn yeah he was a Patino is a Patino guy he came in because he wanted to be in Patino's system um, and who knows where he goes if, you know a, an open Big Ten point guard spot not very easy to find um, but he also might want to you know go where Patino goes I think complicating the things this year too is that while it's not set in stone, a lot of folks think that there will be open transfer rules for all players this year anyway, which could mean you can transfer to wherever you want without penalty. And if you don't have the coach you came in to play for, 
then all bets are off. So, you know, you can we, we could break down player by player what's going to happen, but I think the most likely folks that may go out the door, I mean, you look at Liam Robbins, you know, he's got, he's a, he's a starter now, but, you know, he was here because his um, uncle, Ed Conroy, was a coach. So is Conroy going to be here anymore? Not, uh, it, it's hard to say. Um, you know, Gabe Kalisher, local kid, probably less likely to transfer, but I don't want to go player by player. I just think anytime there's a coaching change, you're going to see some turnover again, whether that's outgoing to follow the coach or incoming, coming with a new coach. We won't know a ton until we know who the new coach is. Street, does that kind of fit your your thinking as well? Yeah, especially in this year where the one-time transfer rules are such that you may also expect that a new coach comes in and very nicely mentions to a player that perhaps their minutes would be best spent at a different program. So it's not just that players might leave prior to a coach. It's that, as Steve also said, you know, a new coach comes in, wants their own players, and decides someone is surplus to requirements. I, I, I guess it, it feels honestly, you know, my big takeaway, I mean, because we really don't know anything about, you know, who the Gophers are going to hire yet. The big takeaway for me is I kind of feel like uh, it wouldn't have been possible for uh, Mark Coyle to um, execute the transition any better. It's pretty clear that he and Patino were on the same page that a change was going to happen. And uh, Coyle or- orchestrated it in such a way that Patino had the ability to go and easily find another opportunity. And in turn... Um, Patino, you know, basically does the U.S. solid. They don't owe a buyout or if, or if the lawyers decide a very negligible buyout. And, you know, both both sides are very complimentary to each other, as I think they should be on the way out the door. I mean, Patino's a big, big boy. He's He's been around this game for a long time. His dad's obviously going to be a Hall of Fame coach. And he knows the rules. You got to win. And he didn't win enough. Full stop. End of story. So I, I'm... I guess for me, the big takeaway is I'm pretty impressed with uh, how Coyle handled it, at least thus far. We'll have to see how the hiring process goes. Um, and uh, impressed with Patino, um, you know, kind of leaving on a classy note as one would hope and certainly would expect given, you know, the I think the way he enjoyed his time here, minus not winning enough. Yeah, it was definitely a, as far as outgoing coaches go or breakups go, it was fairly clean. Um, as you said, Chris, and I'm hoping that that type of tidiness might mean that more players stick around because they were here for the program rather than the coach. But those are also two separate thoughts and impossible to know. Uh, one thing is for sure, though, is that there is just going to be a lot of personnel changes. But, you know, that might have been the case anyway, just given this free transfer, you know, idea that might be put in place where players were going to go regardless well i mean any final thoughts about patino otherwise it's it's hockey blog time i will say i feel like and this might be a broader conversation but he felt unlucky in his eight years here it felt like there was a lot of personnel challenges a lot of injuries that came um, you know, of course, players went to the NBA, which is not a bad thing for a coach, but it just seemed like he was never playing with a full deck. And I also said the same thing about Tubby Smith, but um, 
you know, there are a lot of seasons were just derailed by things that seem to be out of his control. Now, after eight years is the, the theme is what matters. And that's just not getting the job done and injuries and personnel um, problems are just part of the gig <laughs> coaching college basketball. But, you know, when he did have a full deck uh, in 2017, he did some pretty good things. Um, and the rest of the time he was just, a, just a lot of what could have been. And this year, maybe more of the same. I know we had injuries down the stretch, um, that didn't help things out, but yeah, it just, it just felt like his, um, his career here is, um, his stay here was underpinned by unluckiness and it's too bad because he was always a guy you wanted to root for, uh, to root for and just didn't get the job done. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And, you know, some of it is of his own making and, you know, because injuries, as plenty of people have observed, having better depth can help you weather that a little better. But at the same time, like, I mean, the Akeem Springs is just a real great example, you know, to have the season close on the strength of his play and the strong play of the team generally, and then to have him get hurt in such a way that you were without him come the tournament, basically, uh, or without him at full strength. And um, that's a year when, you know, they win that first game against Middle Tennessee. And, you know, you, you start thinking second weekend, no problem, possibly. So, um, and, and even some of his own decisions, you know, recruiting is a bit of a crapshoot. Um, you know, I think we've talked on the blog internally about how the um, Isaiah Washington, um, oh God, why am I McKinley Wright. the Minnesota kid? McKinley Wright. Uh, decision, you know, ultimately that's Patino's call and, you know, he seemed to want Isaiah Washington a little more and that just obviously didn't pan out at all. Um, But on paper, you know, you could, it was one of those moments where you could totally understand, you know, what they saw something and they liked it and it just didn't work. Um, That not working is in in a sense a little bit of bad luck too. So, um, yeah. What could have been? What could have been? It definitely could have been a much better tenure than it than it ended up being, and that's why we're hunting for a new coach. And now we look towards the future, Chris, and it's not what could have been, it's what will be. Yes, because if there's one thing as a Minnesota fan you know is that there is success right around the corner at all times. Yes, we are the most uh, successful so. program in the future, always. <laughs> always, always in our minds and hopes and dreams. All right, uh, hockey. Minnesota hockey, uh, the men went out and took the Big Ten tournament, Big Ten champs. Um, you know, looking out at a a one seed, um, how good of a one seed to be determined. Um, and uh, Andy, I'm just going to turn it over to you. You were the the one who who saw with the most of think of the, of the whole weekend and. Uh, I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts to come from behind victories and a basically two and a half period thrashing of uh, Wisconsin that got a little tight at the end. What were what were your big takeaways from the from the tournament? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, obviously the the Gophers did close out uh, winning the Big Ten tournament championship six four over Wisconsin uh, Tuesday night. Uh, battle the number one and number two seeds and and that win pretty much as as you said 
should have should pretty much lock up a number one seat in the NCAA tournament when the field's announced Sunday night. Um, but it wasn't all easy. Uh, the the Gophers definitely came out flat, uh, having to play in the quarterfinals against Michigan State, the uh, seventh seed on on Sunday afternoon. And um, you know Minnesota for first period and a half, two periods really didn't look like they were the same team they've been. Uh, the passing was off. Their their shooting was off. Um, it didn't help that Michigan State goalie Pierce Charlton was standing on his head, and, and he legitimately probably made four or five saves that that kept a one nothing Michigan State lead from being a four one or five one uh, deficit. But the the point remains that the Gophers couldn't put the puck in the net, and it took a, a furious third period rally before uh, Bryce Brzezinski scored with about five minutes to go in in regulation to force overtime. Um, and then in overtime, it was uh, Sam Paul Ranta getting the game winner, uh, sending the Gophers to a semifinal matchup against Michigan. Uh, in that game, uh, the Gophers had had a bit more life early, um, but once again was was struggling sort of offensively. Uh, Michigan definitely sort of looked like the better team, just like they did the first night of their uh, series that ended the regular season uh, 10 or 11 days ago. Um Michigan took a, a one nothing lead after one, two nothing lead after two. Gophers were doing a lot of shooting the puck directly into the Michigan goalie's chest. Uh, you know, we we've seen that a lot from this team when they when they struggle, they're not pinpointing, they're not getting goals, they're just shooting at it at, and making letting the goalie make easy saves. Um, but they they did pick up the pace. I mean, the, their play was considerably better in the in the first and second period against Michigan than it was against Michigan State. And then once again, we had a furious third period rally. And the Gophers uh, did what they needed to do, got a pair of goals, forced overtime, and then it was uh, Sammy Walker getting the big overtime goal, the captain coming up big to send the Gophers to the championship game against Wisconsin. Um, and then, and then, as we said last night, for anybody who watched, uh, the Gophers by far played their their best game of the tournament. Um, you know, it was a pretty even first period, but Minnesota took a one nothing lead and then absolutely exploded in the second period. Uh, the Gophers got four goals in the period to to take a five one lead, um, and we thought that Minnesota was gonna was gonna cruise, um, and then all of a sudden I think it was the fact that uh, Minnesota, who had played a full extra game over Wisconsin, remember Wisconsin won the regular season and got the bye directly to Monday's semifinals, uh, so Minnesota had three extra periods on their legs, and it definitely looked like they were. Uh, tiring a bit compared to Wisconsin in the third period, but the Badgers got all the momentum. Uh, they scored two quick early goals to cut the lead to 5-3. Uh, Minnesota, Bob Mosco smartly called timeout, got the Gophers settled down, and, and then they played a pretty even period after that. Uh, they had done a really good job of, of shutting down Cole Caulfield, who uh, was named one of the ten Hobie Baker finalists today. He's going to win the Hobie Baker, there's no doubt in that. Uh, he finally got his on a pretty face-off play, ripped it off the pipe and behind Jack LaFontaine to make it 5-4 with just over two minutes left. Uh, but the Gophers doubled down with the with the Badger net empty, really played well, didn't let Wisconsin get any good looks. And, and Blake McLaughlin, who had a, a hell of a game, uh, ended up with four points, two goals, two assists, uh, ended up getting the empty net goal empty net goal to make it 6-4 and, and make sure that Minnesota will have a banner to hang up in, in Mariucci next fall. So, you know, we've alluded to how this uh, hopefully helps the Gophers with the uh, seeding in the NCAA tournament. What's kind of the best case outcome for the Gophers, Andy, in terms of the bracketology? I mean, at this point, uh, 
you know, the the, the Big Ten champion, it, it was basically the winner of last night's game was pretty much going to lock up a number one seed. Uh, Wisconsin won the regular season title barely over the Gophers. If they had beaten Minnesota, they, they easily had an argument for number one. Uh, with the Gophers just barely falling to Wisconsin in the regular season, winning the tournament championship with another win over Wisconsin, it, it's pretty obvious that, that they're going to get a number one seed. Um you know the the biggest the biggest benefit to getting that number one seed is uh, avoiding getting placed in the Fargo region. Uh, North Dakota being the host gets to go there automatically. They are going to be a number one seed after they won the NCHC championship last night. Um, and if anybody saw the end of that game, they were down two one after two periods to St. Cloud State, and they scored three goals in about three and a half minutes. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, you want to talk about a scary offensive team? That North Dakota team can put the puck in the net in a hurry. Um, so, in theory, the Gophers shouldn't have to worry about North Dakota until at least the the Frozen Four at this point, if they're going to match up with them at all. Um, you know, North Dakota probably will be the number one overall seed. The number two overall seed looked like it was going to be Boston College, uh, but the Eagles lost tonight in double overtime to the seven seed UMass Lowell in the Hockey East semifinals. So it's possible with the Gophers win, they might have enough to, to leap them and take that number two uh, overall seed. Um, the other other teams sort of competing for that number one, my uh, Minnesota State Mankato, if they win the WCHA this weekend, probably will have one. And, and there's an argument that if, if Mankato loses, that Wisconsin could squeeze in and, and grab that fourth number one as well. Um Looking at the matchups or the brackets, uh, I wrote a little bit about this in the recap last night, and I'm going to have a bra- bracketology post before the pairings are announced on Sunday. But basically, the four regions this year uh, Fargo, Loveland, Colorado, Albany, and Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, the question nobody really has an answer yet because the NCAA is incredibly vague on how they're going to do this election process is uh, there's been some rumblings that they're going to try and limit travel due to COVID and everything and, and try and limit flights and things like that. If that's the case, um, there's probably a decent chance that the Gophers will end up in, in the Loveland Regional as the number one seed, and it could be a lot of familiar teams, a lot of familiar Western teams in that bracket. Now, admittedly, uh, unless Denver makes the field, which they may squeeze in as a four seed, it's pretty much a flight for every team except for maybe Omaha to Loveland, so that shouldn't really matter whether the Gophers are flying to Loveland or flying to one of the two Eastern regions as the number one seed. That doesn't matter, but it'll be the the down uh, bracket teams where they're trying to figure out matchups and and with one in Albany and one in Bridgeport, the the fact of the matter is pretty much every single team in the East can bust to one of those two regions. Um, so it's it's definitely possible that you might see uh, the NCAA rather than going straight back bracket integrity, uh, doing a little bit more of a couple of Western regions, a couple of Eastern regions, and, and keeping the country a little bit split. Um, you know, if that's the case, uh, you know, the Gophers may, like I said, may see some familiar teams. UMD, St. Cloud, it's possible Wisconsin or Michigan could end up in their in their four-team regional. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see what comes out Sunday. But, uh, I, you know, if I, had, if I had to predict right now, I think the Gophers will be the number one in, in, in Loveland. Um, the question will be, is, is the NCAA going to go with the, the regional seeding or the true bracket integrity? If they go regional, um, I think there's almost a guarantee that they're going to see either St. Cloud, UMD, or Wisconsin as the number two in that region. So they're going to have to beat a very familiar team or a, or a state rival if they want to make it to the Frozen Four. And remind me, we kick off 
the NCAA tournament is that already this weekend that we're that we'll kick it off? No, it'll be next weekend. So selection Sunday is this Sunday. That's right. That's yeah. right. Because they that's right. Because they they brought the the Big Ten of, uh, went early to give the winners more time to to um, rest up and perhaps you know COVID safe. Exactly. So the Big Ten and the NCHC finished their tournaments Tuesday night. Uh, the hockey semifinals were tonight. I think their championship game is either Thursday or Friday. Uh, the WCHA and the and the Atlantic Hockey's finishes their tournaments this weekend, and then yeah, the field is announced Sunday night, and then the regionals are uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday the following weekend, uh, either Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday, depending upon upon which regional you end up in. So, um, yeah, I mean the the Gophers will have you know ten or eleven days off before before they're going to play again. Um, that could be an advantage. That could also be a detriment. You saw the Gophers had had eight or nine days off before their first Big Ten tournament game, and they came out flatter than hell. Uh, same thing. They didn't play Penn State after Penn State came down with COVID, so they had a two-week break before they played Michigan. That first Michigan game that Friday night, the Gophers came out flatter than hell. So that's the one thing you have to worry about with this team is, as we've seen, it's it's not really that big of an upset anymore when a four-seed beats a one-seed in the NCAA hockey tournament. So you match up with a four-seed, say Denver squeaks in the tournament, and it's playing, I mean, granted, it's two and a half hours from Denver, so it's not home, but you get a Denver team that squeaks into the tournament, or you get a Omaha team or... Somebody like that, that's, I mean, they're a quality opponent. They're not a pushover, and you come out flat, you better watch out. Uh, you know, the Gophers cannot afford to, to do that whenever they play their first-round game. So uh, that'll definitely be, be something that I think hopefully uh, Bob Motzko can harp on them, and I think every every Gopher media member will be watching pretty closely to see if they can uh, avoid that for basically the third time in a row after a layoff. Andy, what's your confidence level going into the Frozen Four for this team to win a championship? I mean, they have the ability. The problem is, is we've seen we've seen this team be completely two-sided. I mean, when this team is on their game, if they're playing like they did the first two periods against Wisconsin last night, that's a NCAA championship caliber winning team. But if this team plays like they did the first two periods against Michigan State, that's a team that goes out in the first round. So I mean, I, I I'd like to say that you know hopefully they're they're clicking and, and obviously they got better as as the Big Ten tournament went on. Um, but I mean there there'll be zero margin for error. There this isn't you know you're not playing Michigan State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. You're playing a, a quality team. So um, if they can come out and they can get that first win, you know, I, I feel pretty good about them squeezing the, the Frozen Four. Um, but, you know, it, it, a lot will come out to the matchups. I I really don't want to see them end up drawing Wisconsin again. I mean, I really do think those two teams are pretty damn close, and it's a it's a coin flip of a game. Uh, the Gophers did a really good job shutting down Cole Caulfield last night, but we've seen him go off, and... I mean, realizing that he potentially might be playing his last college game, he'll be, as soon as Wisconsin gets eliminated from the NCAA tournament, he's signing with the Montreal Canadiens, and he'll be in the NHL within two days. So, you know, he knows that basically any any game he plays in that tournament could be his final college game. Um, you know, I, I don't really, really want to face Wisconsin again, but I think there's a at least 50-50 shot that that could be a 1-2 regional final, assuming both teams advance through the first game. Um, you know, North Dakota, if you match up with North Dakota, 
that's going to be a tough team. That North Dakota team, they probably were going to be the number one overall seed last year, uh, probably were the favorite to win the national championship before the tournament was canceled. They pretty much brought everybody back. That is a loaded team. Um, could the Gophers beat them? Sure. But they're going to have to play their A game. And that's the one thing about this team is, especially in the second half of the year, they've been just a little bit inconsistent. Um, you know, the one the one good thing you can say on the road or on neutral ice, they've been great. Their only, their only loss away from Mariucci this year was the one game in Madison. Otherwise, all of their losses came at home. So this team has no problem playing on the road. This team has no problem playing in a neutral arena. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, I think this team has, has as good a chance as any if they can get to the Frozen Four to, to pull it off. Um, but they'll, they'll go as far as, as Jack LaFontaine goes, which... I mean, he was awarded the Big Ten Goalie of the Year and was named one of the ten Hobie Baker finalists today for a reason. He's been absolutely amazing this year for the Gophers. Um, you know, as long as he keeps up what he keeps up, he's now allowed, um, I think, two goals or less in 26 of his last 31 games. If he can shut a team down to two goals, you know, he'll give you a chance to win every single night. So um, I, I think, you know, a lot will come down. A lot will come down to the brackets. We'll know more Sunday night, but uh, I feel pretty good about this team. Alex, does Blake have a hockey question this week? Blake does have a hockey question this week in honor of a conversation that we had on Slack uh, last week, and speaking a little bit to Andy's question about fatigue that may have occurred. What is halftime in a hockey game? Yeah, I saw that, and I didn't want to pick on him, but I'll let you pick on him. But but to 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 to, to Blake's credit, admittedly, I mean he he is not our our hockey expert. Um, Ohio State's women's team is playing in the uh, they were playing in the national quarterfinals last night. They're now made it to the women's Frozen Four. Their hockey. Uh, communications person who runs their Twitter feed, admittedly should know better, also called it halftime during the second intermission of their game last night. So um, I, I can't I can't give him too much crap for that, considering someone who spends all year covering a women's hockey team did the exact same thing. We're, we're still waiting. What is, what is halftime? Uh, halftime is the f- first TV timeout after the 10-minute mark of the second period. It's short. It's short in hockey. It's only. It's only a minute long. I thought we were actually going to take the time to explain to Blake what an intermission was, but okay, we'll we'll move about. We'll move along. We'll move along. Actually, Chris, before we go, I'll move off of hockey. Um, now, I'm not a hockey noob or anything like that, but I was thinking the other day. I was like, you know what? I don't actually know how thick the ice is on a hockey rink. Do you know how thick the ice is on a hockey rink? Um, I mean it it's it's not very thick. I mean what they usually do is they'll lay down uh they'll lay down a base coat, which is usually probably about three quarters of an inch to an inch, I think. And then they'll put sort of the white paint and, and the logos and stuff like that, and then they basically put a top coat on top of that, and that's fairly thin. I wanna say that's only like something like five sixteenths of an inch or or it's it it's not thick at all. Um and that's obviously the the surface they skate on, and then uh, and then obviously it gets resurfaced after after every period. But well, yeah, I mean, 
And Andy, we, we we knew you knew how thick the ice was. I was asking Chris if he knew, and now he oh, knows. Oh, hell no. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I've I've been I've I to be perfectly honest, I've never been on the on the ice at Mary I've been on the ice at Ritter a couple of times and uh, to be perfectly honest, walking on it on shoes after a game, it feels really weird. I mean, it's almost like spongy slushy, but it's still sort of frozen solid because obviously you have the refrigeration and everything like that. It's 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 definitely a, a weird feeling uh, compared to you know a normal mm-hmm. surface. But uh, yeah, well, so I, I actually have the answer in front of me because I looked it up uh, last week. But it's generally between three quarters of an inch and an and an inch thick at the end of uh, all the freezing and layering and stuff like that, which is way thinner than I thought. I don't, I don't know what I thought the thickness was, but it was not an inch. And then I also ran into a little tidbit that um, when they have like concerts and stuff uh, at places where they have already established hockey rinks or basketball courts, they put that stuff like the floor tiles over existing ice. Yeah. So they don't have to melt it. No, yeah, they, just, lay a, they, they lay a they lay a layer of um, rubber insulation down, and then if it's basketball, they put the court over the top of that. If it's uh, a concert you're basically standing on the rubber insulation if you've ever been to an indoor concert over a hockey rink uh those seats are quite a bit cooler which in an indoor concert situation is usually to your benefit then you're not too warm um but yeah no it's uh um if you've i mean having covered games at cole center and uh ohio state uh there's often you know before or after the, I mean, I've covered hockey at Cole Center where they're immediately changing. They're immediately working to put the uh, the basketball court in for a game the next day, and uh, the vice versa. You know, I've been at a basketball game where um, they're taking the court out almost immediately um, because they've got hockey coming up. So, well, now you're just a freaking hockey rink expert, aren't you? Well, they've even done. I mean, that's the one thing about Cole Center, which is nice, is they've got they've got it down. So they've even done it the same day. I mean, they've done they've done the old Metrodome, switch it from football to baseball, switch it from basketball to hockey in the same day. I know they've had 11 a.m. basketball games and come back for 8 p.m. hockey faceoffs the same day. So, it can be done pretty quick when you uh, when you've got a full crew working on it. All right. Well, I mean, it's not hockey's not the only NCAA out there. The wrestling uh, national tournament is is uh, right here as well. Obviously, uh, Gable Stevenson uh, is the, is the big name. I'll be I'll be honest. I haven't followed wrestling close enough. Did the Gophers place anybody else into nationals? Yeah, they've got they've got nine wrestlers who are making the trip. I think. See, uh, I, see yeah. I, I've I've insulted eight other Gophers, and I apologize. well, if you finished in the top eight in the Big Ten, you got an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. And I think the Gophers added one or two more via the wild card system or however we're doing it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, Minnesota has I think all but one weight class represented at the NCAA championships this weekend in Pittsburgh. Um, but let's be honest, everybody else, I mean, there might be a couple of guys that, that might be fighting for a top eight spot and an all American spot, but the headliner is Gable. Uh, Gable's the number one national heavyweight. Um, uh, number two is the, the Michigan guy who Gable just beat. Um, so that could set up a, a rematch, uh, of, of him versus Gable. If, if they, everything goes chalk for the, uh, for the NCAA title, um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, Stevenson is by far the favorite. Um, he's absolutely rolled through the Big Ten this year. Um, and he'll have to go through some of those other guys to get it. I think I was looking at the bracket, and 
Um, you know, if he's gonna, if he's going to get there in the quarters, he'll have to pay, face the again if everything goes chalk in the quarters, he'll have to go through the Penn State heavyweight in the, in the semifinals. It'd be the Iowa guy, and then it'd be the Michigan guy in the, in the championship get match if everything goes straight through. So, um, you know, you've got to you've got to call him the favorite. He's beaten all those guys at least once already this season. There's no reason to think he can't do it again. So, uh, that'll be something to watch. I think the finals are. Uh, I want to believe the finals are Sunday. It might actually be a lead-in right into the NCAA hockey selection show, so we might have uh, might have a lot of news Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening on the blog. So you uh, will for sure want to go back and check that out to to see uh, both if if Gable can pull it off and win the first Gopher national title in wrestling. And well, I was gonna say it's gonna be at least five or six years. I don't have it in front of me, but it's it's been a while. Um, and uh, and then see where the the Gopher hockey team ends up getting seated. Gymnastics uh, keeps putting up some strong individual performances. Big Ten Big Ten championships this weekend. weekend. Uh, the Gophers as a team probably in a three-way battle with Michigan and, and Iowa for the team title. Um, you know, when, when they're at their best, they can compete with the best. Uh, when they're at their worst, uh, they struggle as a team. Last week, uh, Lexi Rambler won the all-around for the eighth consecutive week. Uh, she's on fire, outstanding. She should be the favorite to win the all-around in the Big Ten. She's, I think, the number two current all-around uh, ranked gymnast in the in the nation. Um, definitely should be the favorite to win that. The problem is, last week, Minnesota lost to Illinois, who was a middling Big Ten team because they had to score two falls on the bars. Y- you do that, you're going to lose. There's nothing you can do. So, you know, to win in a team competition, not only do you have to have your best do the best, but even your third, fourth, fifth gymnasts on the roster have to not fall, have to not screw up. Um, and, and that's happened to the Gophers a couple times this year. They lost to Iowa earlier this year. The same thing happened. They had to count a fall. And once you do that, you're you're in a hole that's really hard to dig out of. So, um, you know, if, if the Gophers can and do what they want to do, I think there's a decent chance they can try and, and pull out uh, a team Big Ten championship this weekend. In the event wise, um, you know, watch for watch for Lexi Ramler, watch for Maya Hooten, the freshman who had a perfect ten on the floor last week. Um, you know, she'll compete for the for the Big Ten floor title. Um, Ona Loper, who's had a ten at least once this season on vault, she'll be she'll be a favorite in the Big Ten vault. So, uh, yeah, I think the Gophers should have uh, hopefully, if everything goes well, several Big Ten champions uh, by the time the the meet is over on Saturday. Uh, well, and I guess the, the other big thing we probably would have talked about a little bit higher up the, the pod is volleyball was, you know, set to take on uh, number one ranked Wisconsin this weekend. And then COVID happened again. Uh, so the, I mean, are they going to be able to make this up? Uh, or is the schedule so compressed that, you know, their their big uh, match uh, set of matches against Wisconsin is now, you know, off? For the year. I mean, in theory, no. The short they keep calling all these matches postponed, but I think the only way a match gets played it is that basically Minnesota's opponent and Minnesota's a common opponent whose matches got postponed all go down with COVID, and then you could on Thursday make a switch and say, "All right, Minnesota, you get to play Michigan this weekend instead of Northwestern or whatever." Um, there, there is no, there is no leeway in the Big Ten schedule. There are no bye weeks. Due to due to the shortened season, I mean, they finished the regular season. Uh, I think the the first week in April, the first weekend in April. Uh, selection Sunday is two days later, and then the NCAA tournament starts the next Thursday, the next Friday. So um, there will be no matching up. It'll be interesting to see 
this week, obviously, the Gophers, yeah, they're supposed to be playing Wisconsin. It's the only home-and-home home on the schedule. Uh, they're supposed to be in Madison Thursday. They're supposed to play at the PAV on Sunday. Um, and We put it on the blog, and if you look at the press release, the only thing they've done so far is canceled Thursday's match, which gives me hope that potentially... The whole team hasn't been bit by COVID again, but they might just be in, in contract tracing hell, and that if they can get released through contact tracing by Saturday or Sunday, uh, they may have enough players back that they can play that match at the PAV on Sunday against Wisconsin. Uh, don't know that for sure. I'm just parsing the language uh, that was in the press release and the fact that they have not postponed Sunday's match yet, so far only Thursdays. So um, there still may be a, a number four Gophers versus number one Wisconsin volleyball match on Sunday. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, uh, you know, it sounds like the, the Gophers, at least some member of the Gophers are, are getting bit COVID-wise again. And this would be, this is the third series of the year that Minnesota has lost, but this will be the second time it's Minnesota's fault. The first one when they were supposed to play Michigan was the Wolverines' fault. Uh, but the Gophers missed a series at Ohio State because of their own COVID issues, and now at least one game against Wisconsin is off due to the Gophers' COVID issues. All right, we're going to close it out. It's uh, March Madness. I want to hear who each of you have winning uh, the NCAA tournament. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. So I'm being a little bit of a homer. Um, I'm also not... I never have been bought into to Gonzaga. Uh, I know that they're undefeated this year, but I just you know don't think they have it in them. I never do, and they never seem to have it in them. So I've got Illinois over Gonzaga in the final, along with Florida State and Baylor as my other final four teams. Street, how about you? I have that you should all go sign up for the TDG 2021 bracket challenge uh, that we're running. First and first and second prize this uh, this year, we actually have prizes. Uh, there's some uh, fun basic contractual language you can read too if you want to look at what they are. But there are a couple of T-shirts from uh, so you can support TDG all over uh, your house and any other socially distanced gathering that you you choose to go to. Uh, I believe I think I have uh, a reverse. I think I have Gonzaga over Illinois in that bracket. But uh, I think the, the question that this tournament, more so than any other tournament, is going to deal with, uh, we heard uh, today that Oklahoma is going to be without their second leading scorer because of a COVID protocol, is as the tournament goes on if anyone becomes a COVID casualty in addition to any injuries that may pop up. So perhaps more chaos this year than, than in most. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sort of torn is, is I, I never want to pick the most popular pick to win it. And I do think, you know, listening to a lot of the people, I also, you know, in my head think Illinois has got a really good shot uh, with Dosomu and, and Cockburn. They've got just a, a create inside outside combo and i do think they're playing really well right now and, and do do match up well uh although that game assuming everybody's healthy and whatever and everything goes well against oklahoma state in the uh in the sweet 16 and and cade cunningham could be a really interesting matchup um but but yeah they they seem to be the quote-unquote trendy pick all of a sudden um i mean it's tough to be trendy when you're a number one seed but you know you're you're seeing more and more people leaning leading the Illini route even over Baylor or Gonzaga or things like that. I think um, you know if I had to pick one Big Ten team that's going to not live up to the hype, I do think Michigan is in trouble. 
uh, with Isaiah Livers now out with the foot injury. I, I, I just don't see them getting, getting to the final four, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take Illini for right now, but before I actually do submit my bracket, I'm going to have to think about it because it always, always makes me feel, uh, guilty is not the word, but makes me feel bad when I know I'm picking the same championship as 20% of the other people. And, uh, the Illini have a gauntlet to get to the championship too. It's like the, <laughs> it's the bracket of death for them, but they need to get in the second round. They would face potentially Loyola Chicago, who is severely underseeded. Um, I think they're a top 10 Ken Palm team, um, but they're a number eight seed. Then they would have to face potentially Oklahoma state who, you know, people are calling a low key national championship contender, final four team. Then they got Houston who, if they were in a different bracket, I would have had them in the final four. And then they would probably have to get through Baylor to get to the national championship. By that point, it would be, you know, just hand them the trophy. So uh, you've already identified, I think, the the my sleeper pick for the national champion. Uh, that is Loyola. Sister Jean is now 101. I feel that uh, the full three-digit force uh, of her positivity and, uh, experience in life and with, uh, you know, matters involving the almighty, uh, will help Loyola slide all the way through and, uh, finish with, uh, what I assume is their school's first national championship. I'm not going to fact check that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, that uh there you go that's your that's your lock of the of the week of the weekend whatever you know snazzy title i want to give my bullshit prediction there all right well i that's a lot we got through a lot um feels feels like months ago that we were talking about richard patino so sweet uh sweet travels safe travels uh sweet prince little ricky and in the meantime everybody get ready Enjoy your NCAA tournament. Uh, do it safely, and uh, look forward to more SkyU podcast. Uh, you know, normal one next week if necessary. But of course, if we hire somebody, we'll get uh, some quick reactions out uh, about who has been hired whenever that happens. So, in the meantime, go Gophers, SkyU Ma, row the boat. <laughs>